Make your way to your seat. Um, I will explain what I'm doing up here. Um, I have photo evidence that our Pastor Chad is uh, a far ways away in Nepal, so uh, he is currently probably seeing things differently than we are and uh, maybe eating uh, some different foods than we are right now, which may or may not be a good thing for him. I'm not exactly sure, but um, anyway, what that means is... um, you get to be with me. And so, my name is Trenton Hoggart. I'm one of the elders here at uh, Fellowship. Uh, it's been one of the biggest blessings of my life to, uh, to serve on this team. I wasn't expecting this. Uh, and and uh, anyway, it's just been a joy to see um, God work uh, in this church and, and through this team and in this family. And so, uh, it's just fun. And uh, so, being up here, seeing your face... Uh, uh, is is good. Uh, hey, mom. And so, anyway, uh, I am thrilled to be in this series of of pathways that we've been doing. Um, the little subheading of our of our series, probably on your bulletin, is the art and practice of following Jesus. It's very appropriate that we're learning uh, together what it might have looked like for Jesus to. Um, uh, and his disciples to just walk with him, you know, just to, uh, what's been so cool is that one of the more relaxing parts of this whole series is how often the disciples uh, didn't hit the mark, how how often they they didn't get it right. So it's comforting to me that uh, um, we can approach this knowing that we're not experts. We are never going to arrive at being the perfect follower of Jesus, and, um, and so it's expected that as we look at uh, our walk with Jesus' life that we're definitely going to make some mistakes. And as we give things, shot, uh, give things a shot that we can actually just trust that Jesus is going to meet us where we're at. And so I say all that to prepare you for this morning. The situation you're in right now is I am preaching my very first sermon, and it is on the, uh, the, the topic of silence and solitude. So if you know me very well at all, or if you're at the Night to Shine event, uh, where I hosted the karaoke room, uh, and you for ask me, you know, what are the top, you know, couple things you're not necessarily naturally inclined to? I'd say an easy number one would be hanging out by myself and not talking, uh, and then not far from that top of the list would be formal public speaking. I can talk, but I, this isn't necessarily, anyway, but here I am, and so we're all practicing together, and, uh, so consider yourself warned. Um, so in spite of my weaknesses, I'm here because I am convinced that this topic of silence and solitude is vital to our walk with Christ. Um, it doesn't hurt that Chad's also thousands of mile, miles away, and that might be playing a role. But uh, besides that, uh, as we've been kind of wrestling as a team, wrestling as a leadership group, uh, looking at what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus, we've identified these three categories of being with Jesus— uh, becoming like Jesus and doing the things that Jesus did. And so, I know personally, uh, my story with Jesus has been a lot on those last two categories. Hoping that being like him and doing the things that he did would actually get me to Jesus. But um, 
you know, of course, doing those things, I, I do get to experience Jesus when I'm doing that. But oftentimes what I catch is I'm doing a lot of those things out of my own spiritual fuel tank. And where that leads to is just burnout. Uh, I, I see a lot of familiar faces that have been here for a long time. You've probably experienced that in, in one way or another. And so I'm convinced that Jesus shows, shows us a pattern of ministry that is fueled by being with him. And then he changes who we are and then what we do out of that experience. So uh, one of the problems, though, is that with our insane lives today, uh, the, the speed that we keep going at, we have to be intentional to make room, to unplug, get away, and just be with Jesus. So uh, do a little men- mental exercise with me for a second, okay? So just pretend like you're reaching into your pocket or your purse or whatever, and you're going to pull out your phone, okay? Now find the power button. Okay? And just pretend, I'm not actually asking you to do it, just pretend to turn your phone off. Not, not like vibrate or mute or, you know, even the do not disturb feature, but actually off. Okay? Are you there with me? Your phone is off. Some of you might not even know that's an option. There, there is something other than dead. There's an optional dead. You can choose to make your phone dead. Uh, so imagine with me right now in this little pretend scenario that actually no one can get a hold of you. You're unreachable. Anything could be going on in this outside world. I see we have some news people here. You know, anything could be going on. We wouldn't know. And, um, uh, you know, it's just, it's crazy that uh, we could be so oblivious. Anything could be going on with your family or work or whatever, and uh, no one can reach you. How's that feel, you know? Don't worry, I'm not a maniac. I'm not going to actually have you do that uh, this morning. And so uh, you can relax. But if I'm honest, I hate that feeling. I, I feel like the world depends on me being available for everything to just run, to run smoothly for some reason. Uh, so it's no wonder that the concept of setting time aside to just be with Jesus um, is so foreign. To make the only thing I'm available to, to be Jesus, that's... It's not a situation I'm just naturally in. So uh, it's been fun just being in this family with you guys, just watching us all grow to make ourselves really available to worship Jesus together. Um, I love, I get to sit in the sound box a lot, and I get to just watch it happen and then participate with you as as we just really open up to, uh, to be fully available to the presence of Jesus in this room. Um, but I'm excited that this isn't just something that's limited to Sundays while we're standing and singing, but uh, he's with us throughout the week. It's just for us to just slow down and enjoy it. And uh, that's not easy to do in the midst of our crazy schedules. And so anyway, if you want to stand with me uh, and turn your Bible to Mark 6, we're going to read. See what Jesus is inviting us to. Mark 6, verse 7. Through 13, it'll be up on the screen, or and look at the page number. First time, give me a break. Here we go, verse 7. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. 
And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and they proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and appointed them with oil, uh, many who were sick, and healed them. Jump down to verse 30. And the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Father, I trust you this morning. Holy Spirit, I trust you this morning to speak your words uh, to my friends, to my family. Um, I pray that this morning is an invitation uh, to remember that it is well. And we can rest and relax in what you can do. We can rest and relax in your presence. Pray that you do that and speak that to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I love Mark. Uh, I love this book. He's, he's my kind of writer. Um, if you start in Mark 1 and just go through the little heading titles, of, I know the ESV has, and um, it, I mean, it's like nonstop action. Uh, Mark starts right where all the action begins. You, uh, you see John the Baptist. He's out in the wilderness. He's preaching and proclaiming that the, the Messiah is going to be coming, uh, getting everyone excited. Uh, next, you see Jesus get baptized. And then after that, we're off to the races. Jesus begins his earthly ministry. Uh, he's calling the first disciples, healing people everywhere, and teaching wherever he goes. And then, I mean, it's intense. The pace is insane. If, in just Mark 1 through 5... You hear the word immediately, 21 times. So something amazing happens. Immediately, something else happens. Immediately, something else happens. I mean, it, it's, it's intense. And so, honestly, this is the pace that I, I expect from the Son of God. Uh, he's left heaven to come to earth, and so it makes sense that he would want to get a lot accomplished while he's here. And so he's been getting everyone excited about this new kingdom that he's going to be ushering in. Uh, word is getting around what he can do. And everywhere that he goes, crowds are following him and his friends. And so if you're one of the disciples here in verse 7, uh, I can imagine you're getting pretty excited, but maybe you're a little bit freaked out. <laughs> Jesus is calling his disciples to do more than they can pull off on their own here. And so put yourselves in their shoes just for a second. Uh, you've been with Jesus almost all day, every day, watch him do these incredible things. Uh, you've been given the inside scoop on what all the parables are meaning. Um, and then you've just been watching him live. You've been able to examine his character. And, uh, and now, everywhere you go, the crowds are following you all around. And so, uh, now, Jesus kind of huddled you in. He says, okay, you've been with me. Now it's your turn. You grab your buddy, grab your sandals apparently, and uh, you leave your wallet, and you head out to go preach and heal. And what's nuts is that it, it works. And so uh, you head back, and you want to report everything to Jesus, and you await your instruction. So what does Jesus say? If you look at verse 31 uh, again, he says, uh, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. 
I don't know about you, but um, it's not really the response that I expect from Jesus here. If I take an honest assessment at my calendar or my expectations of myself, I, I really expect Jesus to give more jobs or, or more instructions. You know, maybe give him another part of the region to go uh, preach to or to heal. Um, but that's not what we see. What's great is that we actually see Jesus fully aware that his disciples aren't just these ministry robots that are... Um, built to crank out results for the kingdom or, or something like that. But instead, he just invites them to get away with them, uh, to just be alone and rest. Jesus, he intimately knows the limitations of being a human. Jesus is actually a human. We forget that sometimes. Jesus is also extremely familiar uh, with the demands of this world. I'm so thankful that this passage actually continues to, to be pretty realistic. Uh, we don't actually read on to hear a nice little tidy weekend of uh, retreat that they get to have together. Uh, but no, the, the account in Mark 6 actually sounds a lot more like our messy, high-paced lives that we currently live in today. Uh, if you look down at verse 33, uh, we get to see what happens when they're heading to the other side. Uh, it says, Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from, there, uh, from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He began to teach them many things, and when, uh, when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. Does that interruption strike a nerve for anyone? Uh, you know, maybe parents, uh, you finally get the kids down to bed, and, uh, you know, as the gravity is like pulling you down to the couch just for a second before you got to put the dishes away, all of a sudden you hear that crying in the bedroom or uh, footsteps down the hallway. I don't know. Uh, maybe you're about to get out of the office and uh, just grab a quick bite to eat. Uh, just in peace for a second. And as you're shutting down your email, closing your laptop, you get a call, someone reminding you of like a hundred other things you've got to do before the day's over. It's like, ah, forget it. The protein bar in the drawer will work. And um, students, this, uh, this one might or might not have happened to me, but uh, maybe you're making plans for your weekend and uh, then all of a sudden you have that like just gut feeling that you might have forgotten something, you know, in that online class that you'll get to later. And uh, so you pull out your syllabus and realize that the entire first half of your assignment modules, you know, that make up like an entire half of your grade for the whole class are due within a couple hours. Yeah, forget your weekend plans. Uh, uh, you know, so, you know, those are just the little things that, that we deal with, you know, on, on a regular basis. We all have those little interruptions that keep us from resting. But... Um, these don't begin to scratch the surface of these bigger emergencies that are a reality that we have. You know, a health scare, a uh, financial stress or job loss, car accident. I mean, you turn on the news, you, you are reminded constantly that we live in a chaotic world and we are longing st for stability. I think the invitation of Jesus here is just to make room uh, to simply come away and be with him. All through the Gospels, we're reminded 
that in all this chaos, that there is peace in the presence of Jesus. I remember, um, maybe you'll remember the, the story of Jesus who arrives in a village and he's getting off the boat and he's met with this crazy guy who's uh, demon-possessed. He's tormented this town. Uh, every time they finally catch him and get him bound up, he just breaks through the chain. I think he's you know, living among tombs. And um, what's crazy is you see Jesus, after he casts out the demons, uh, the village comes out to just try to figure out what's going on. And what freaks them out the most is that they just see this, this crazy man just clothed and sitting with Jesus. There's peace sitting next to Jesus. Uh, I'm reminded by the story where Jesus is uh, headed to heal the little girl. And this is at the height of Jesus' popularity. And um, he's surrounded by the crowd. They're pushing in, just trying to get as close as they possibly can to him. And in all the craziness of that, Jesus stops everything and he asks one of his disciples, who just touched me? His disciple kind of smarts off a little bit. He's like, what are you talking about? I mean, we're, we're surrounded by people. Everyone is touching you. Uh, but he takes the time to find that one woman that, uh, that had faith that just touching him would heal her. And uh, he looks at her and he assures her, uh, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. I believe we identify really well with these people Uh, desperate for peace, looking for Jesus. Uh, We all carry a certain amount of brokenness into our relationship with Jesus. For this book, uh, uh, Ruth Haley Barton, Sacred Rhythms, she says, uh, we might have few or no boundaries on our work or availability to others. We might be driven by the feeling that we should be doing more because there is always more to do. While our nonstop pace may be tied to genuine passion for what we do, as it, is with, uh, as it was in the case of the disciples, we can reach a point where our genuine gifts and passions wear us out because we don't know when to stop. There are darker possibilities as well. It could be that we are driven by a need to perform and feel that we are worthwhile only when we are achieving and doing. We find it hard to enter into solitude because it threatens the sense of who we are. What I'm relieved by in this story is that Jesus is inviting us to be human. He's not just inviting us to make peace with who we are, but he's inviting us to be who we are with him. If you've tried silence and solitude or or you plan on giving a shot, um, I will warn you it feels really unnatural at first. Um, I I will also tell you it's especially difficult uh, when you know you have to preach a sermon on it at some point. Um, but for me, uh, I know early experimenting with this, turning my phone off, and after about 10 seconds of sitting in my living room alone, uh, I just realized, I mean, it, it's, you can almost feel how uncomfortable I am without the noise around me. Uh, I'm immediately in tune with everything else that I could be doing in that moment uh, than just spending some time alone with Jesus. Uh, my first instinct is to start thinking of all the things for Jesus I could be doing. Uh, 
as if just being with him wasn't good enough. Uh, I'm tempted to grab a book and read, to learn something, uh, shoot an encouraging text to a friend or something like that. Uh, you know, all, all these are great things. You know, nothing wrong with that. But I just realized how uncomfortable I am just sitting with Jesus. If I'm honest, I, I'm still wrestling with exactly what that even means. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm confronted that I don't actually have to be getting something done for Jesus for him to want to just be with me. It hits me that Jesus saving me and calling me to follow him isn't just about recruiting helpers. He doesn't need me working for him. We sang this morning, uh, he can move mountains with his words. And so uh, I think he can probably handle whatever text or phone call might be coming in in the next few minutes. He's inviting us into a two-way relationship with him right now uh, on earth, and then he's, he's going to continue that on forever. I get to sit and enjoy that for, for just a second, but then almost immediately uh, I begin this little mini panic. Uh, you know, my phone's turned off. I have no clue how long it's been. You know, I'm so holy it's probably been hours that I've just been sitting there. Uh, but that's when all these what-ifs start. You know, what if the world is falling apart? But he's, he's, he's kind to me. He gently reminds me. He can still move mountains. He can still handle those texts or phone calls, you know, the work, whatever it is. Uh, he's got it covered. That's when I'm reminded that he's the king of the universe. He's with me. He's here. And he's enjoying it. It's not something I just dwell in or make room to dwell in a lot. And man, it's a privilege. I don't know about you, but I need more experiences like that. Um, those things that are revealed to me in just time sitting alone with Jesus, they spill over into the other aspects of my daily life. Um, but because of the noise constantly going on in my world and our technology, our schedules that are jam-packed, um, I don't know. Facebook, uh, we're able to just drown out the noise in our hearts that it actually is longing for Jesus. I know for me it's easier to just grab a book, listen to a podcast, scroll through my phone, and just sit and be for a second. Um, but rest easy, guys. Jesus knows this about us. Uh, he knows it about me. Uh, and he's kind in meeting us where we're at. We've been saying this whole series, we are not going to be experts at following Jesus. He doesn't expect that us, of us, but his invitation still stands like it did here. Let's just get away from all this and rest for a while. But Jesus doesn't just prescribe solitude for his apprentices. He actually practices it as well. He is fully God and fully man, and yet Jesus made time to be alone with his Father. When their getaway gets cut short by the crowd showing up, uh, Jesus spends the entire day teaching. Uh, we see him perform this huge miracle where he feeds 5,000 men plus the women and children. I have no idea what the numbers are on all that, but he does it all with five loaves and two fish. And um, it, uh, it's a huge miracle, not, not his plan that we just read. But uh, in verse 45, after they finish cleaning up, we'll, we'll turn there if you want to flip. Uh, after they finish cleaning up from this huge meal, uh, you know, the one that interrupted their little retreat. We see Jesus here in verse 45. Immediately. That makes 22, by the way. 22 immediately as we've read. He immediately uh, made his disciples get into the boat and go before him 
to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, uh, for the wind was against them, and about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking across the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. Um, For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. This time Jesus makes sure that he gets time alone with his father. It sounds like he's all but throwing the disciples in the boat to get away and escape the crowds. And then uh, we see him sneak off to the mountain to pray. Consider this. At the beginning of just this chapter, uh, Jesus be, is a, he's fully human. Jesus being fully human has been traveling around the region, teaching, healing, uh, casting out demons, and he's had very little rest. Uh, he had just been in his hometown, Nazareth, Nazareth, where they uh, basically mocked him for saying that he's a prophet, or trying to pretend like one, when all they see is just this the little carpenter they've known for 30 years. As you can read in uh, uh, verses just before this, um, Jesus is just informed that John the Baptist, uh, one of his few uh, partners in this, in this message, uh, has just been beheaded. Um, for virtually no reason. And uh, he went, all he wanted to do was just get in a boat and be with his disciples and go off somewhere private and be left alone. But he ended up teaching all day and performing this huge miracle for this crowd that needs a shepherd. Jesus, though, he knew his limits as a human. Before continuing to do the work of his father, he prioritized being with his father. Not even Jesus was expected to come to earth and uh, be like God and do the things that God did without spending time with his Father. Because of the Holy Spirit, Jesus had access to his Father throughout his entire ministry, and he wasn't afraid at all to take uh, advantage of it. For example, we see Jesus, his first steps after being baptized, before starting his earthly ministry, uh, he's led by the Spirit alone to be in the wilderness for 40 days. We know he's tempted, but he's ministered to by the angels. We see Jesus just walking along the sea uh, by himself when he calls the first disciples. We see Jesus waking up very early. He goes on these little mini retreats many times throughout his his ministry. And he'd love to just walk along the sea uh, and retreat to a mountain for prayer. Right before service, uh, Hayden was telling me about his his 50K that he did. Um, Anyway, but the amount of silence and solitude that he got to experience. You know, that, that Jesus apparently would have been right there with him. Uh, maybe not the same pace, I don't know, but uh, he had different shoes. But uh, anyway, but it's pretty common to see Jesus spending time in silence and solitude uh, right before doing a big teaching or doing a big miracle. What's crazy, if you really pay attention, often the reason that is is because his silence and solitude, which he's primarily doing, is being interrupted by the crowds finding out where he's at and showing up, wanting to be ministered to by him. So, in this story in Mark, we see him fresh off of coming from the mountain to pray and uh, showing up to just do some pretty incredible things. 
we just read where he walks across the sea. Uh, he sees his uh, disciples struggling to get their boat to cooperate. And after calming him down, calming him down from thinking that he's seeing a ghost, um, he gets into their boat, and the wind and the sea ceases to to be crazy. There's more peace where Jesus is. We go on to see uh, in the rest of the chapter. We see him get to the other side of the region, and uh, this is where Jesus' miracles just take off. As many people that just touched his clothes were healed of their diseases. Um, but for us, I think it's helpful to see that this is a, a rhythm that Jesus models. It's not just a, a one-and-done thing. Um, just a one retreat that he takes and expects it to last him for the rest of his life. But it's a lifetime of spending time with his Father, for us spending time with Jesus, that slowly but surely starts to change us. Because even the disciples, we just read, after all they had seen Jesus do, and even after doing some of these things themselves, their hearts were still hardened. They weren't quite sure who Jesus was. Um, what's comforting is we see Jesus right there in the boat with them, making himself available to them to just be with them. So for us, um, what does this look like? Uh, we're going to be wrestling with this, practicing this in little days throughout the week. Uh, we put up the slide. It's, uh, you can find those online uh, at, at the website. I think we probably have a few printed out in the back. Uh, but I encourage you to go, go play with those exercises, experiment, practice. Uh, but I, I do think it is helpful for us to be realistic with where we are in our seasons of life. Uh, in my house, I have a one-year-old. Uh, it's fun. She's just like me. But uh, what that means is I either have to leave my house or, or do it when she's asleep. Um, but, you know, I, I think we can also find little spaces of time in our daily routine where, uh, you know, you just find yourself picking up your phone, turning something on, just to drown out the silence. Those are perfect opportunities that Jesus is showing you. Hey, be with me. Whatever it looks like for you, uh, I encourage you, just take some time to sit down uh, with Jesus alone. He is the only one that completely knows you, knows everything about you. And he pursued a relationship with you. Let that sink in. Take time to just spend time with that truth. Very practically, uh, my favorite little first step to start playing with this was just to take my morning commute uh, without the radio on. Oh, wow, shocking. You know, actually doing this, I realized my car uh, actually immediately, I, so I'll have it turned down, and anytime my car starts up, uh, it automatically kind of goes to a level where I can hear it. And so, I mean, the world knows, like, my car company knows that we don't like silence. I mean, it was fascinating. It just hit me. And uh, so anyway, I, I just take my morning commute without the radio on, and it's crazy. It is insane. The little ways that uh, God's just reminding me before work that he's with me right before the day starts. Uh, some people like to take a little walk, get, get some time alone. Perfect. You know, things like that. You don't have to float or anything. I'm not talking about anything crazy. It's just just making some time, some space to not be distracted. Uh, if you aren't walking or driving, uh, I know some people find it helpful to have a pen and paper with them. That gives you the freedom. Uh, if something pops up in your mind that 
you know, you absolutely can't forget. Just write that down, then you can put it away and come back to it later. Some people might find that distracting. That's fine. Uh, I haven't found any rules for exactly how to do this in Scripture, so I'm not going to give any. Uh, but what I have seen is an invitation from Jesus to experience it. So I would encourage you uh, to find a place that's protected uh, to just get a little bit of time daily to do this. We're doing a lot of these practices, a lot of the things in these series that we're, we're working on are, are requiring us to, to find a protected space, to, to get alone, to be thoughtful more than just consuming. And, um, and so, you know, maybe that's a favorite chair or uh, locked in a guest room. Uh, I don't know, but I would say it, it's going to be difficult to pull off in a, uh, in a coffee shop or somewhere public um, it's important, I think, to, to be somewhere private. I would encourage you to think about a time, maybe weekly, uh, where you might be able to carve out an hour to just shut stuff off, and um, the, the, the stuff that tends to distract you, and make yourself only available to Jesus. I know it's going to take some real intentionality, uh, maybe some help from a spouse or a friend, if you have kids, you got to think through all that, I, I get it, but... Um, uh, you know, and I'll be honest, I, like, I'm new to this, I haven't nailed it, don't expect to, but, um, but I cannot wait to grow in this practice, just because I've seen the tastes of it, I've got the tastes, and, it, and it, Jesus is there, he's willing to meet us, and so, finally, uh, I would consider the possibility of taking a, a whole day to do this, I know, sounds insane, but uh, I can tell you, after spending these short little periods of time, uh, the thought of having a whole day, maybe a few times a year, where the only thing on my calendar is just Jesus, it's exciting. It's thrilling. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's hard. You, you can't really explain it. And so some of you experienced it, so you get it. But uh, I'm excited. But let's just start where we're at, Okay. Uh, we don't have to feel the pressure to have some life-changing experience within the first minute. Um, we, but what we can do is we can have faith that Jesus is really good at taking the little bit that we have to give and uh, multiplying that to just make huge things happen. And so I'm confident that as we see this take place, uh, our desire to experience him in this way, it'll grow. So anyway, let me uh, pray for us and... Uh, if you'll come up. Jesus, I thank you for um, setting the tone for what ministry on earth looks like. Um, I thank you that even fully God, you made yourself dependent on, on the Father. You did not... Um, demand everything from your disciples. Yes, you called them to stuff that's bigger than themselves. But the whole point was was that they were forced to, to be with you, to walk with you as we go out and do these things. So Lord, as we start this week, as we um, kick off these schedules that, that we tend to cram full, Pray that you'll meet us where we're at. You'll show us the, the bits of space that we have uh, to, to be with you. 
pray that you will grow our thirst to experience your presence. Pray that you'll meet us in the little things. And we, we will know that you are here. Thank you that this is true. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.